How do I find a new job? How can I make a career change? And the biggest question of all, can I really find a career that I love? Hey, my name is Jen Smith, and I believe career success doesn't have to be at the expense of living a radiantly happy and healthy lifestyle. As a former HR leader and recruiter turned career coach, I get what companies are looking for when hiring top talent. What that means for you is an unmatched combination of insider knowledge and the best kept secrets about making heart-based career changes and navigating the ups and downs of job searching in today's world of work. Whether you're a recent graduate navigating the job market for the first time or a seasoned professional ready for a career change, this show is for you. So grab your coffee or your kombucha, pull up a seat and get ready to be challenged and inspired to move beyond your self-doubt and take the right next steps towards landing a career you love. Because you deserve a long, radiantly happy and healthy career. This is the Flourish Careers Podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Flourish Careers Podcast. I'm Jen Smith, your host, and today... I'm thrilled to be here for another installment of Flourishing Together, a monthly segment dedicated to curated conversations with industry insiders sharing wisdom and strategies for improving your work and well-being. Today, I am delighted to introduce you to Sabine Gideon. Sabine is the founder of She Leads Network and host of the top-rated podcast, She Leads Now, which is focused on women in leadership and business. With nearly 20 years of experience centered around helping others advance in their professional and personal environments, Sabine has helped clients in startups and Fortune 500 companies grow and develop by breaking through their own mental limits and evaluating their confidence, influence, and impact as leaders and change agents. Her message of growth and transformation is amplified through her book, Transformed, The Journey to Becoming, which is a personal story of triumph and courage. I first met Sabine as part of an HR leadership collective, and from our initial connection, her heart-based and intentional mindset and energy are so refreshing and contagious. And you know when you meet someone and they literally shine? That is how I felt when I first met Sabine, and I still feel that way to this moment. She is a wealth of knowledge and shares tons of helpful resources. I actually was just telling her that I listened to a webinar that she facilitated. And my friends, she shared at least five, probably 10 tools with the audience that we could all use today. So I am delighted to have her here with us today to discuss a topic that I know so many heart-based professionals struggle with, which is negotiation. It's kind of like the word networking that literally makes people cringe with fear and anxiety. So I am so thrilled to break this down with you today and learn from Sabine. So Sabine, welcome to the show. Thank you, Jen. Thank you so much for that introduction. I am excited to be here and excited to share with your audience. Excellent. Well, let's just get right to it. So you talk about this concept of empowered negotiations, and I love these two words together. So can you just share a little bit more about what this means and why it's essential from your perspective when it comes to career advancement? 
Absolutely. So the way that you uh, describe negotiations, right? You're absolutely right. People associate with it with networking. People cringe. People are like, oh my gosh, all of this fear, all of this anxiety comes up. And so from the perspective of empowered negotiations, it's really starting with a mindset. You know, what are negotiations? What, what meaning have we attached to it? If we attach negotiations to a conversation that's going to be hard, a conversation that's going to be not win-win, or a conversation that's going to leave us feeling bad, then naturally we're going to have anxiety, we're going to have worry, we're going to have fear, we're even going to build up resentment before we even have that conversation. So thinking about it from the perspective of, you know, if, if you want to flip empowered for win-win, right? You're having a win-win conversation. And that conversation starts in your mind way before you actually have that conversation, whether it's your manager, your hubby, your kid, whoever it is that you're negotiating with. That is so impactful when you think about it, because if you, any conversation or anything you approach, I think of job interviews. If you approach the job interview with the anxiety that you're not going to get the job, then guess what? You're not going to get the job. Same thing with negotiation. If you approach it with the mindset, you know, that it's not going to work or you're you're super anxious or you have this fear-based mentality when going into it then that's the outcome that you're that you're going to have and so i love the fact that you think about it as a win-win to me it's all about finding that value showing respect and having fairness in the process so it's not about winning at the other party's expense it's really about this mutual beneficial solution to whatever you're you're discussing or you're talking about what are some kind of like quick tips about getting yourself in the right mindset for a conversation like that? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so first and foremost, think about it from this perspective, right? And the the statistics vary whether it's 80, 85, or 90. I always go with 85 because that's nice in the middle, right? So 85% of our success in anything is mindset. Only 15% is actual execution. So if you think about it from the perspective and, you know, there's there's the Pareto, I think Pareto's law of like 80-20 and whatnot. So think about it from the perspective of before you even walk into the room or before you send that email or before you sit down and have that conversation, whatever outcome is going to happen has already happened because you've envisioned it, you've planned for it, you've attached emotion to it. And so that's how you're going to show up in that space. So before a, a negotiation, right, like, you know, the, the rule of law used to be like, you know, you want to practice, like you want to have all your points and ready. Yes, you want to do that. But more important than having your points or having your brag book or having the list of accomplishments, which you should also have those, right, is that moment of you taking that space of one, believing that you deserve to be in that room having that conversation believing that these things that you've listed out as accomplishments and and stuff on your brag book, that they're actually valuable. Believing that you are an asset to this organization and not from a place of, of cockiness or arrogance, but more so of I'm an asset to this organization. And the more I'm able to give to this organization, the more they're going to receive. So that goes back to the, the win-win mindset. And then the really big piece that we don't really hear talked about as much is the emotion. Because essentially, our subconscious mind is going to register whatever meaning we give to a situation. 
So if we're thinking, oh my gosh, negotiations, they're going to say no, they're going to reject me, there's anxiety, there's fear, our subconscious mind is registering fear, fear, danger, 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 danger. And guess what? No matter how prepared you are with your talking points and, and you know, concessions and everything else, your mind is going to be like, no, we, we prepared for this. We thought about this. This is dangerous. And so you will sabotage yourself. So when I say add the emotion to it, think about what would it be like to have that extra, you know, $10,000 or vacation time or whatever it is that you're going to, to negotiate. And better yet, what is, what is the why? What is the deeper why? Right? Like, do you want the $10,000 just to be able to say, you know, the whole, uh, especially in the entrepreneurship space, six figures, I make six figures, right? Like that's like the, the epitome <laughs> or the, the pinnacle, if you will. But is it, is it about bragging rights to be able to say, I make this much money? Or have you taken the time to think, wow, when I make this amount, that's going to give me the opportunity to maybe put my kids in dance class or have, you know, get them a tutor, right? Thinking about longer term, not just the, yes, here's the money that you, you might, that might take place during the conversation, but what does that money mean? What will it give you? What feelings will it bring about? How will it change your life? How will it change your family's life? And we're using it in the context of money. But this can be anything, right? This can be time off. This can be, you know, a bigger title, a bigger role, whatever it is that you're negotiating. You want to start embodying the feeling, the emotion, the meaning behind what having this thing is going to mean for you. Because if you just stick at a number or you stick at whatever the outcome is, your your mind isn't registering it. It's just like, oh, okay, well, yeah, that's nice. But you've never had that before. So <laughs> we're going to stay where we are today. Yes, yes, and yes. <laughs> so the emotion that's tied with the conversation is so huge. And I talk about energy, but you're right. When you get to the emotion, that's the energy. So it's almost like I loved your example of, you know, putting your child in dance class. So if I got this other $10,000, like even going to the conversation and envisioning your daughter, like excelling in dance, I mean, that's going to bring such a different energy and emotion to the conversation versus like, oh, let me just, you know, check a box to check a box, you know, kind of thing. So Oh, so, so good. And I would encourage anyone that's listening to really get to that why and think about that. Like, think about that why when you're going into these conversations and bring that energy to the conversation. So think about the daughter in dance class. Think about the time or the vacation that, that you know, you really have been wanting to take or whatever, whatever the motivation behind the why is. Bring that energy to the conversation. So, so good. Now, Sabine, you talked about, obviously, mindset is a huge challenge to overcome. What are some other mindset hurdles or some or even some other just common challenges that folks, um, you know, bring to the table when they're thinking about negotiations? Yeah, it's, it's you know, the rejection, the fear of, he of hearing no. Uh, for women especially, there's always this, or not always, but there's often this belief that I'm going to be treated differently if I ask or I'm going to be seen differently, or I'm going to be seen as needy, right? Whatever perception we're projecting onto the person that we're having the conversation with, this, this belief that, you know, the underlying belief that I'm not worthy and I'm not enough, right? That's playing in the background. And then more importantly, too, even going into the negotiations as you're thinking about mindset, sometimes what has happened in the past and why people have 
this visceral reaction to doing it again is the last times, and, and this is not always, but the last time they asked for negotiations, maybe they got it. And then they felt, because they felt so unworthy, they had to overprove themselves, right? And so that looked like overworking, overburdening, like having to, you know, really be get to the place of burnout. And so there's a fear and there's a resistance of asking for more because the, the thought process is, well, last time I asked for more, I got it and I got a whole bunch of work or I got a whole bunch of responsibility with it. So it's really up to you or, you know, the audience who's listening. What I challenge you is, again, you know, do do the logical stuff, right? What do the numbers have to look like? Um, what does the package have to look like? But then really do that self uh, self-inspection to say, okay, have I negotiated before? And not only what was the outcome, but how did I feel about that last negotiation? Did I feel like I came out on top? or at least got what I wanted? Or did I feel slighted? Did I feel like there was a lot of concessions? And if I got it, did I feel overwhelmed and overburdened and find myself asking, like, why did I ask in the first place? Wow, that is very powerful. And it's a perspective that I actually have never thought about. That feeling of having to prove yourself once you get more money or whatever it is that you're negotiating. That is a lot. That is a lot of pressure. And just to add on to that, I think a lot of times, especially working in the self-employment space or portfolio career or having multiple streams of income, I talked with a lot of folks about like time versus money. And so when you're paid for your time, because you're an expert, if it takes you 15 minutes to complete something because you're an expert, you still need to get paid for your value, not just your time of actually doing that you know, whatever the, the, the initiative is. And so there's kind of like two different perspectives, you know, from, from that point. But I've never thought about it from like having to like burn yourself out in order to prove your value for, for a higher, higher salary. So I really, really appreciate you bringing that perspective to the table. And I always think too, you know, money in general and just benefits in general is so hard for so many people just to talk about. And I feel like it's especially like taboo when it comes to money and work. But I always tell people like nobody works for free. Like that's not how this world works. Like it's an exchange. Like you're exchanging your brain power, your value, what you bring to the table in order to take the vacations and put your kid in dance class, you know? So it's like, Sometimes like that perspective, if there is a common like obstacle around that is like thinking of it as that exchange. And then the other thing that I um, that I wanted to mention here is if you don't ask, the answer is always going to be no. <laughs> so that's the other thing. We talk a lot in my community about, you know, shooting your shot. And, and a lot of times I think, you know, from a negotiation perspective, when it comes to a, a job salary negotiation, that people think that the offer is going to get rescinded if they ask for more or whatever that package looks like for them. And I will tell you, in my 20 years of human resources, I have never seen an offer rescinded for somebody negotiating. I don't know if you have, Sabine, but probably not, right? Never, never. And so here we have 40 years, collectively 40 years of HR experience across multiple different industries and organizations. And we've never seen an offer get rescinded for negotiation. So just food for thought. Yeah. And the thing is, you know, I, I the first 10 years were in recruiting. And so it's an expectation. Like we know going in to the conversation that, you know, whatever the number is put out and in rare cases, 
is it the top of the band? Right. So, you know, and, and of course, if you've done your research, uh, you know that whatever the first offer is, that's not the best that and there is room uh, for that negotiation. So even just having that locked into your mindset that, OK, this is what they've offered me and this is the first offer. Right. Not solidifying it as this is the best offer that they're giving me. No, no, no. This is just the first offer. And this is where we're opening the conversation. And Love. having that intention and that mindset going into whatever negotiation, whatever it is that you're negotiating for. This is the first offer is such a smart way to think about a salary negotiation with an employer. Absolutely 100%. And then to add on to that. So I've also worked in recruiting. So friends, you are talking with two recruiters that have done this on the inside. So the other piece that I like to think about, or I like to help folks think about is the recruiter wants you to fill this job. <laughs> like they they are on your side, right? So so think about that too. You know, when you go into the conversation, like they they you're going to make their job easier by filling the role, by saying yes to the offer. And and they're going to work with you in order to get the offer to a place where you are going to fill, you know, to fill that job. So just another kind of insider, you know, I think idea when it comes to negotiation. Like they don't want to go back to the drawing board you know, they don't want to keep that job open for another 30 days, you know, to find another person. They want you in the job and they will work with you uh, to, to get you into that job. So two, I think, really cool points there. Yeah. And if it's a if it's a, um, a contract recruiter, like an external recruiter, they're even more incentivized uh, to help you land whatever that salary or that package is, because that's a direct reflection back on their compensation. Yeah, they get paid big, big bucks for placing people into organizations if you're working in an, with an agency or a headhunter. Absolutely. So previously, you had mentioned something that really stuck out to me around, and it's kind of around confidence. Um, but you mentioned like, you don't have to be cocky when you go into these conversations. And to me, the humble confidence is so critical when you're going into a conversation like this. So can you talk to us a little bit about confidence and how that plays into successful negotiations? Absolutely. So I listened to your uh, episode on, I think it's courageous confidence, right? And how you gave the example of, you know, it's it's these baby steps that lead you to this place. And so I'll, I'll use, I'll bring in mindset again, because I feel like that's part of it. So our subconscious mind, like it's, it, this is going to show how old we are, uh, but it, it's like a Rolodex, right? So it is keeping track or think about it as a camera, um, like the back in the day, the disposable cameras, right? So every experience that you're having, right, it's taking a picture of it. So our mind remembers or our mind holds on to two things, the pictures, the images, and the words that we say, that we speak, and that we tell ourselves, Right. And so in, in the sense of the confidence, if, if you've had a bad experience in the past, that's what your mind is going to draw up in this new experience. Even if it was like 15, 20 years ago, it's going to be like, remember when we tried this? This is what we, we had, right? Or if you're, if you're uh, bringing up anxiety or worry or from hearing no. And so I'll, I'll give an example of a, a not so great, uh, negotiations that I had, negotiation that I had. So, Back early in my career, uh, I had been assigned this new department. This was when I was transitioning into staffing. And within three months of being there, they decided that they were going to promote me, right? And I'm using air quotes for those of you who can't see. 
However, the promotion wasn't going to come with a salary increase because according to them, I was already making, um, you know, I was already at the top of the band, which I really wasn't. I, I, I had access to the information, so I knew I wasn't. So young, naive, eager beaver me, I go on salary.com, pay scale, glass door, and I'm like, oh, okay, I would be closer to the 90th. This is this is clearly before I had a negotiation class. Uh, <laughs> so I go in like early, early one morning because I knew my manager at the time used to get in early. And I knock on his door, you know, with my paperwork ready to, to talk <laughs> about the research that I had done. And I was just like, hey, you got a minute? And so he's just like, yeah, come on in. And I was like, okay, well, I thought about the offer <laughs> that you gave me. And according to Payscale and Glassdoor and whatever else I had looked it up, I should be actually here, right? And so again, it's it's 7.30 in the morning, y'all. <laughs> like this man <laughs> was not trying to have a conversation with me about compensation. And he surely wasn't trying to have a conversation with me about whatever data I had grabbed <laughs> off of the internet randomly. And so he's just like, okay, Sabine, we're not having this conversation right now. Um, and politely asked me to, <laughs> to leave his office. I don't remember the words, but I know I walked out with my tail between my legs. And so, you know, some time went on. And then later in the day, he was just like, look, I understand that, you know, you want to have this conversation, but that's not, that's not the way to do it. That's not the approach. And now that's, I'm sharing that example as, oh, I, I had a whole bunch of confidence there. <laughs> I was confident in my statistics and in my research. But what that did, though, because I got shut down in the manner that I did, it, it closed me down for a good five, maybe seven years. Whereas that, that experience, I mean, he wasn't rude. He wasn't mean. But he obviously told his manager. And there were other people in the department who had found out or who had known about my, you know, my negotiation conversation. And so there was a level of embarrassment. There was a level of like shame attached to it. Like, what was I thinking? What was I doing? And so it took years before I had built my confidence up again to ask for a raise. And so the next time around, which was probably seven or eight years later, we were going through uh, a downtime in, in the economy. Well, it was during the recession, actually. Well, the last one. 2008. Uh, the last one. <laughs> yeah. And um, they had decided that they weren't going to give raises. They weren't going to give bonuses out just because of cost-cutting measures. Like the department had pretty much been cut by 50% at that point. And I was just like, okay, you know what? If I if I don't get a raise, I will like I will be behind. I was already behind the market. I wasn't even at the 50th percentile at that stage. And so I I stepped in and I said, okay, what have I seen work from other candidates that I've interviewed? What have I seen work through conversations that I've had with both candidates and hiring managers? Now I had a little bit of experience under my belt. Now I'd seen a couple other people fumble <laughs> as well as a couple other people do it successfully. And I had been on the side of having those conversations. So the next time around, when I went in, I had in a whole executive summary, I did a complete SWOT analysis of, you know, these are the barriers, these are the challenges. You know, if I am not moved up, like this is where, you know, this is the trajectory. Of course, I had all of the contributions that I had made in the organization. 
I scheduled it as a one-on-one with my manager and we had a conversation as two adults. And so what ended up happening is they, uh, they ended up giving me, uh, they gave me a raise and I was actually the only person in the department that got a raise because I had made such a compelling case. Um, so I share that to share that, you know, oftentimes confidence isn't something that we conjure up, right? We're, we don't just wake up one day, oh my gosh, I'm super confident. Sometimes it's, it does take our experiences and kind of seeing what works, what doesn't work, uh, practice, uh, that is huge, and really setting the stage for us to win for us to be able to have that conversation confidently. If they would have said no uh, when I presented my executive summary, I'd have been okay with it because I knew the environment. But the fact that they came back and they said yes, I, I do believe that that had a lot to do with not just what I presented, but how I had presented myself. A hundred percent. And thank you so much for sharing that story. It painted such a you know, strong picture, I think, for kind of the do's and don'ts and the, you know, the element of confidence versus cocky versus humility versus respect and entitlement and all of those things. And I just really appreciate you kind of sharing those back to back too, just to hear the difference in those stories. And like the fact that, you know, even just scheduling a meeting and not surprising your boss at 7.30 in the morning when he barely has had a sip of coffee can make a big difference though. It makes a big difference. And not only doing your external research, but your internal research and showcasing what you've done to, you know, to bring about an increase. And those are the conversations that I always appreciated as a, you know, as a manager, when a team member came to the table and communicated their value and it was a discussion, it wasn't this ultimatum or it wasn't like, oh, just because this person's getting paid this, I need to get paid this. It was this element of confidence with humility and general respect for for opening the door to a conversation. And congratulations to you to for for succeeding in that in, you know, a tough economy or or in a recession. You know, just the fact that you did it the right way, I think goes uh shows, you know, showed your boss that that you were ready for for that promotion and that next level and that salary increase. So um, yeah, great, great you. story. Thank you for sharing. The next question I have for you is about practical, you know, kind of uh, tips that you have or practical strategies that you have for our listeners to prepare for negotiations to really increase their chances of success. And I think we've talked about a couple of them here, but maybe any other ideas that you want to share? Yeah. So I'll give it from two perspectives, right? Because there's the negotiations that happen when you are transitioning into a new job, a new company, and you're starting fresh, right? And then there's the there's the transition that happened. Let's say you're getting a promotion or you get a new team member added or more responsibilities or what I like to call dots, uh, development opportunities that suck. Uh, or when you're <laughs> voluntold that you're going to be doing something. So those two conversations happen a lot differently. And the way that you prepare for those are a lot different. Um, from the perspective of someone being in-house, if you are at a space where you are, you know, where you're feeling like you're ready to move to the next level, or perhaps you've gotten voluntold or added some staff or added some responsibilities, and you're thinking to yourself, you know what, this, this additional responsibility warrants a conversation, right? Think about it from that perspective first. This additional responsibility warrants a conversation. And so at that point, you know, I, I've mentioned the brag book. I'll, I, people call it different things, right? So this is where you are keeping a notebook, a journal, whatever it is 
of all of the projects that you've worked on. Um, having worked in corporate, you know, it, it's that annual performance, right? And at the time they're like, oh yeah, it's time for you to do your annual performance review. And most people are like, I don't know what I did all year. Like I showed up, I worked on that, I worked on that. So this helps you, it does two things. It helps you build up your confidence throughout the year of all the projects and all the value that you've been able to add. And it allows you to go back and look at, okay, wow, when I worked on this project or when I was on this team, the result of it was that, you know, we saved X amount of dollars or that we were able to produce more or we saved a client, whatever it is, right? Thinking about it from that perspective. So keeping your brag book, first and foremost, every project that you work on, whether you think it's, you know, it's the biggest thing or it's the smallest, smallest thing, building up that repeated uh, memory bank, if you will, in your subconscious mind of all your wins. Secondly, before going into the conversation, right, it's, again, we, we talked about all of the visualization, all of the um, getting into the mindset of, all right, this is just the conversation. And also, this is the value that it's going to bring. Think about what it is that your boss needs at this point, right? Because that's huge. Sometimes, it, I mean, we're human beings, right? We can get so caught up on the with them, what's in it for me, that this is the opportunity for you to look at it like, what is it for, what is, what is in it for them, right? When this, when I sit down and I have this conversation with this individual, how can I position this so that they see the benefit to them, the benefit to their, you know, the department, the team, the function, whatever that is. Um, and thinking about it from that perspective and really doing the work, like it's not just, oh, well, you know, he gets to keep me for another year. <laughs> um, it has to be, what is the value to him? Does he get to get go home early? And, you know, uh, because you've now been promoted and he can now see his kids baseball games or whatever the case may be, or does he get to um, look good? He or she, I should say, uh, get to look good because now, we're working on something that has been a priority for the organization that, you know, we haven't had capacity. So put yourself in your manager, whoever you're having that conversation with, put yourself in their shoes and how will they benefit? How will they really benefit? And then look at it from the perspective of a little bit long-term, right? So yes, it may be a matter of this next position or this next role or this next opportunity, but long game, Long game, how does it benefit the organization? And the reason why I'm saying that is because, you know, most, most organizations, especially these days, they're having real hard time retaining their talent. And so you want to position this as not just a, I want money now, but in being able to move into this new role or being able to take on this additional responsibility, it'll help me grow X number of skills that'll allow me to leverage it, you know, in the future roles. So you're painting a longer term picture for your audience that isn't just about whatever it is that you're asking for in this particular moment. Um, and again, depending on the environment, you know, that you're in, that could look a, a lot different. But you have to think about it that this is a long-term game and then that win-win mindset, right? So you know that they're, well, another thing I should say is you should have your non-negotiables, right? Mm, so what is your yeah. bare minimum walk away point? Do the research, find out what the, the salary band, the salary range is, pull up your, your employee handbook, 
look at the um, the benefits that are available that maybe you aren't aware of or opportunities that are available. Do your research on like, what is my dream package, right? And then get real with what are my non-negotiables? And then the last thing I'll say on that, you know, there's this, uh, there's this uh, formula where, especially if you're doing salary negotiations, you want, you want to do the math basically, right? 50% of your, like your needs, your household, your groceries, like the things that you need to survive, 30% in terms of short-term, um, I'm sorry, 30% long-term savings. Like what are some of the long-term benefits that you want to have? And then 20% for your short-term. So literally, you know, make sure the math is mapping, as the young kids say, um, and making sure that you know, like coming out of this, this, this is my formula and this is what I need to be able to live a comfortable, healthy life. You know, well-being is huge for us right now. So making sure that, you know, you're if you do have to concede or if you have to compromise, that you're not going to compromise on anything that would put you in a bad situation financially or even place you in an emotional state where you become resentful because you can't live life the way that you want to. Yeah, exactly. It's all about knowing your numbers. And I, I talk to folks about their core and lifestyle values. And it's it's really about that self-reflection and knowing what you need in order to be happy and live a radiantly healthy life and career. But can we just go back to DOTS for a second? <laughs> I have never heard this acronym. So clearly, you this is, this is a Sabine brain child, I'm guessing. I can't take ownership for oh, it. One of my first managers uh, shared it with me because I used to, you know, I used to raise my hand for all of the things or whatever. And she would come over. She was like, all right, Sabine, this is a dot. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and I remember the first time she told me development opportunities that suck. I was just like, okay, I will never, ever forget that. And 20 years later, I have not forgotten that. It is amazing. And we can all relate to that. I've, I've, I've done definitely voluntold activities plenty of times, but the dots is taking it to another level and I love it. So thank you for bringing that element along with all this wisdom. So one of the things that came to my mind too, when you were talking about the Brad Bragg book, is I, I like to talk to folks even about like rituals, like starting your week and starting your day or ending your week or ending your day by creating an I did it list. Mm -hmm. So closing out the week, it's like, or closing out the day with all of the things that you accomplished. Because so many times we just forget, like you were saying, like we do our annual performance reviews and we just forget. And so if you get into like a rhythm of doing this on a daily or a weekly basis, it also helps you recognize all of the great things that you actually did before you're just jumping into your to-do list for tomorrow or the next week. So I found that that's a really delightful way to build the brag book for when the time comes for these conversations. So just another little tip to add to this extensive list that Savine has already shared with us. So thank you so much. Love now, that. in your expertise and your experience, what are just like a couple common mistakes people make during negotiations? Not doing your research. Again, I, I mentioned some sites, which are they're a lot more um, accurate these days than they were, you know, 15 or however many years ago when people used to leave angry and put in information. Um, but that's a, a great way to to do it in terms of figuring out you know, what is the salary range uh, for this particular role? And if you're thinking to yourself, I don't know how I'd get that information. If you have an HR business partner um, that's assigned to your particular group or someone in HR compensation, um, if they have a, a center of excellence, you know, you can reach out to that individual and ask them in a lot of states now. 
uh, it is a requirement yeah, that, um, that employers, yeah, for the pay transparency, that employers share what it is that, you know, what whatever the range is and just understand it's a range. I know the tendency is like, oh, well, I want to be at the top of the range. Think about it this way. And this is this is HR insider, right? If they bring you at the top of the range, there's nowhere for you to move, right? So you may end up in a situation where, yeah, if, if they do say yes, and you're at the top of the range, that means that that's where you're going to be. And if you get any additional compensation, it's going to be in the form of maybe a, a one-time bonus or, you know, a standard bonus. And we know that the bonuses get charged or get taxed at 40%, right? So think about it from the perspective of, all right, if I really push to get to this top, I'm at the top. Where is there to go for me? What is the next step? And so think about it from that perspective. If you have room to grow, especially if you're you're looking for a promotion or you're even um, transitioning into a new company, think about it from the perspective of whatever the next role is, you want 70%, you want to have 70% of the skill and 30% room for you to learn and for you to grow. So if you think about it from that perspective, right? Because if you go into a role that you have 100% of the skill set, you're going to be bored in less than six months and you're going to hate your decision to transition, you know, either internally or externally. So look at roles that give you an opportunity to come in, hit the ground running, you know, uh, hit some low hanging fruit, but also give you an opportunity to grow and learn. And then look at it from the perspective of the salary band too. Okay, if I'm going, to, if I have you know some room to grow, I want to keep about 25, 30% of, of this compensation available so that as I continue to grow and develop my skill, that information or that, that opportunity is there for me. Schedule your conversation. Two things that really I want to point out here is one, the pay transparency laws. So if you are a listener and you're in a state that doesn't require pay transparency, use the other states. <laughs> use those yeah. as, you know, as a tool for you. And and usually at least it's it's probably changing now with a lot of remote work, but geography is something that folks usually take into consideration with pay ranges. So maybe you could find a city or a state that's similar to the geography that you're in and be able to use that in your own, um, you know, in your own research when you're when you're preparing for these conversations. And the second point that I have to point out here is find somebody to help you. There are people out there that will help you with these conversations. So don't be afraid to ask for help. I think that can be really impactful when it comes to salary conversations. So thank you so much for sharing those um, common mistakes and stories and, and how to avoid them. So as we wrap up, I wanted to just ask you, so one of the things that I always uh, like to ask folks is for a flourishing favorite. So a book or a podcast or a research, uh, resource that had a really significant impact on you and your career, if it's related to negotiations, great. If not, that's okay too. Yeah, absolutely. And something you said that sparked something for me, um, when it comes to salary, uh, it's the compensable factors. And I'm trying to remember all five, right? Like what the compensable factors are that determine, you know, what the range is going to be. And I know it's education. It's your years of experience. It's any certifications that you have. It is your geographic location. And I, I can never remember what the fifth one is. Um, but just know that the, like, you know, it's not some random number that's pulled out that there are these like five core and you probably can Google it at this point. It might be internal um, equity too. I know they take take yes. a picture of internal yes. equity and where everybody is and within the range. Yeah. 
Thank you. Thank you. So, uh, yes, <laughs> thank you for that. So I'm holding this up for those of you who can't see. So I actually have two tools. Um, one book is called Ask for More, 10 Questions to Negotiate Anything by Alexandra Carter. And so she is like, I think she's like a Stanford law professor. She's done really, really high stakes negotiations. Um, but what I love about the book is she brings it to like the very, very practical every day. And the focus is oftentimes we we will lowball ourselves, right? We don't need the organization or anything else to lowball, but we lowball ourselves. And so she gives it in the sense of, you know, looking at it, like I mentioned before, long-term, bigger picture. What are you asking for? What are you, Why are you asking? And what is the meaning behind it? So that's a book. And it's also on Audible if you want to listen to that. And then a cool tool, because uh, I am big on if you're anything like me and you always have a bunch of tabs up um, and you're constantly, <laughs> oh, I can't shut down the computer because I have all these tabs up. There's a, there's a call it time management productivity tool called Toby, T-O-B-Y. Uh, it's a Google Chrome plugin. Uh, I understand that for many of you, if you're, you know, in your traditional corporate environments, you're not using Google Chrome. But if, if, you know, obviously, if you're using it at home, basically, it's free. And what it does is, let's say you have a whole bunch of tabs up. Like right now, I have a tab that is dedicated to like all of my podcast stuff. And usually, I don't like to close that down unless the computer forces me to. <laughs> well, with Toby, it's registering, it's uh, keeping all of these tabs up. And so you can create like a little, call it like your, instead of bookmarks, right? It's just a, a, a section where once you shut down Toby, it's saved all of these sites. And so in the morning, if you have like groupings of sites or, or um, yeah, sites that you go to, you just go into Toby, you click and all of the browsers will open up and then you can shut down all the browsers without having to worry about oh my gosh, where did I save this in my bookmarks? Or I'm going to lose, you know, what page specifically I was on. So that's Toby, T-O-B-Y. Fabulous. I cannot wait to check it out. I feel like Sabine is like the guru when it comes to cool tools because every time I hear her, she's got another cool tool. So I cannot wait to check that out. And definitely the book for sure. And I'll put links to those in the show notes for everybody. So thank you so much for sharing. And lastly, my friend, where can people find you? I have a feeling people are going to want to reach out and connect. So where where would you like to direct folks? Yeah, absolutely. So my my hangout spot is LinkedIn. Um, nice. <laughs> I, I've been saying that. And every time I say I, there's a little part of me that's like, oh, you're old. Um, but, you know, my, <laughs> my hangout spot is LinkedIn. It's not TikTok or IG or or what's the new one? What? Threads? Threads. Yeah. No, we're not doing that. Um, or you can reach out to me uh, via my website at sabinegideon.com. And I actually have a, a site with some some gifts and some giveaways uh, for your audience. So if you go to uh, sabinegideon.com forward slash she leads, S-H-E-L-E-A-D-S, you can grab uh, some goodies, a couple downloads, uh, access to my podcast and just connect with me that way. Excellent. We will make sure those are all easy access for everybody listening. So in closing, by embracing this heart-based approach to salary negotiations, we can all work on fostering fairness, transparency, confidence, positive mindsets, and mutual respect for 
our salary discussions. So let's work together to create environments where everyone feels valued and appreciated for their contributions. Sabine, thank you so much for sharing all of this wisdom with us today. It was such a delight to talk with you. Thank you, Jen. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. That's a wrap for today's episode, my friends. As always, you can find the notes from today's episode on the Flourish Careers blog at flourish.careers blog. Thank you so much for tuning in and I'll talk to you next time. The first time I ever met you, I just like you were like this light in my world. Like, so I just feel like we're totally on the same page with with a lot of this work. So thank you. I can't even imagine what those first episodes. The, the, as soon as you said that, I was like, oh, crap. <laughs> like, <laughs>